Hey everyone, I'm Jay. I'm Sophia. And I'm Scott. And welcome to Witches Betwixt. And it has been a minute since we recorded, actually. <laughs> now that I'm looking. Like two, two or three weeks, right? I think it's been a little more. No. I think it's. When, it, when did I, we talk to Eva? Uh, the 7th. Eva was oh, the 7th. Yeah, it's been like over Jesus a month. Jesus Christ. Wow, this is. Yeah, we've straight up had a month in between episodes recording, so we haven't done that in a while. And honestly, I I think it was cool though, because I mean, you know, we we had content scheduled. And... Mm-hmm. It also really, I definitely needed it for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I did too, actually, because I ended up getting this new job, and then I had to. I'm still in the process of transitioning it, so my back bedroom was my witch room, and my wit. Well, anyway, so my back bedroom used to be my witch room slash Joyce's. And then I got this work from home job. So then I had to make the back room an office and then I had to take all the witch stuff out. <laughs> and then I had to transfer it all downstairs into the basement. And now I have to reset up the witch room, which is now not also also like my witch practicing altar kind of like where everything is. Now it's also like the shop for shop products. So mm-hmm. I still have a lot of work. But yeah, so having having the time off um, has been a lot. Mm-hmm. And honestly, um, I don't really think the listeners notice it too much because they don't hear these episodes until a month or two after, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, it's the nature of the beast. But breaks aside, um, today's episode, we're talking about fucking nature. The is... <laughs> it was just really funny. Um, Sophia had actually mentioned this, I think, a couple days ago. <laughs> a couple days ago. Yeah. And you know, I was like, "Hey, you know, let's get back into record. kind of like blowing the dust off of our Facebook chat." And uh, you know, like, "Hey, you know, let's, let's talk. Let's." <laughs> and Sophia, you were going off on something. You were like, "Fucking nature, fucking nature, bud." bud. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, that's the title of the episode." So. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're talking about today fucking nature bud um so sophia it's real do you uh you want to <laughs> kind of talk about your your inspiration yeah i mean this? i was kind of trying to put into um words to someone what i do magically speaking because i don't necessarily like have a proper tradition that i follow like i take little bits of like culturally relevant stuff for me incorporated into the practice but a lot of what I'm doing is flying blind and I just kind of most of what I do is based off of just observing nature and watching it and like learning from the plant and how it interacts with me and so I called it the green path and I was like yeah that actually really fucking tracks right and then like after I was like let's talk about nature um I kept getting a ton of synchronicities relating towards like the world tree and how like there's been like damages with it from like what's gone on with all the conflicts in the world with like World War Two and like how it feels like the spirit of humanity is kind of sick a little bit, you know, and maybe it was like having to do with like this link being damaged um, and this theory my friend brought up and so we were talking about like trying to nurture the world tree again and like get back to nature and start working on like uh it's okay just letting, that pass. <laughs> just letting that pass so yeah. it can be edited um and working on like 
I don't want to say fixing the land, but starting to work with the land and repair it and bring in plants that were like natural to the area prior to colonization, like lots of uh, wild strawberries and stuff and planting those and just kind of really putting my, my time and energy into the land and nature itself. Right. So and um, I have a quick question about strawberries. So yeah. wild strawberries, right? They're the tiny little things that you always see. Like mm -hmm. they grow up in like in people's lawns and stuff. Yeah, and they're they're significantly softer. So like if you've ever and they're edible, right? Into, they're okay. Just let me explain. They're better than edible. They are little bits of bliss that nature gives you. Hilarious like, because growing up, I don't think my parents actually knew, but they always told us that they were poisonous as kids. Really? Don't eat that. It's poisonous. You know, if it grows Wild on the lawn, strawberry? it's gross. Yeah, like they had no clue what it no, was. No, they're, they're so... Okay, I'll explain. Um, The flesh of them is significantly softer because a lot of strawberries and commercialized fruit products are um, selectively cultivated over a long period of time and cross-pollinated between different plants. And what you think of in the modern strawberry, I think that was made somewhere in Europe after the original wild strawberry had been brought back from North America because it was originally indigenous to the area and they didn't grow around the world. So if you're eating um, like supermarket strawberries, the flesh is really kind of crisp, similar to an apple. Sometimes they crunch if they haven't had like a, a significant amount of time to soften, right? Um, whereas if you eat wild strawberries, they're like as squishy as blueberries almost. And they are so so much more sweet and delicious and just incredibly good for you like they're little packets of just amazing that's the best way i can describe them if you've had wild strawberries you're never going to want to have anything else because it just doesn't even compare you know i'm bummed like because they they would grow in my lawn like my front mm -hmm. lawn as a kid and in my backyard and we would no we would though um you know, we would play witches stuff when we would take them and smash them and mud and all kinds of fun mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> Good offerings for the spirits. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and it's similar to like um, free range cattle as opposed to factory farm stuff. Like there's a completely different taste to it, you know, and the animal's right, not yeah. sick and suffering and being pumped with antibiotics. Like, I have because there's a very. Yeah, and, and other than just like the physical difference, because. I am not just like a physical person, as y'all know, I'm very much spirit model. There's like a large difference between what's going on with the plant that's like been able to grow up in nature in its own environment. And you come and you take a little bit of those berries and you don't necessarily hurt the plant while you're doing it. And you don't clear out all the berries on the bush, right? And you make sure just to take the ones that are so ripe that if you don't pick them, they'll go to rot. That's what you do mm -hmm. when you're eating them. So from a very young age, you learn to kind of watch the plant and observe it and work with it and do stuff with it that helps it, but also helps you. And you start developing a relationship with that plant. So like wild strawberries, um, raspberries, beans, there was a whole bunch of stuff that my mom used to grow at her house. And like we used to eat off the land a significant uh, I wouldn't say it was like half of our diet even because um, like, you know, we did live in a small town that did have supermarkets and stuff. But when I wanted snacks and, and uh, I wasn't really wanting anything in the house, I could just go out back and pick from the garden. And that was always really nice, you know. Um, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to like 
fucking say let's get back to nature i mean it's spring you know half the wheel of the year is is horny and rabbits and the other half is spooky bats so we got to do horny rabbits a little bit in nature you know <laughs> I'm, I'm so i figured I'd... definitely behind Sorry. the uh... <laughs> speaking of which i actually like bought myself some kinky rabbit ears with some of my work money like i'll show y'all when i get it <laughs> but i wanted to pass it over to scott because you'd actually done some research on like the world tree and and green path and stuff you know yeah um so i mean you know without i guess beating a dead horse i guess everyone you know all of our listeners kind of know that you know nature plays a huge part in what i do i've talked about it a lot um and you know caring for the earth and and just kind of being with it understanding my place as a part of nature moving through those same cycles as nature does and and not making sure to take myself out of this kind of very colonized idea of i am something separate than nature you know um this idea of you know no longer you know i don't seek to conquer nature but once again like i said to live with it now as far as the um this world tree, right? Uh, as far as this goes, we've seen a lot of this uh, throughout a lot of cultures, even themes that may not necessarily be the exact same thing, but there, there's always something similar. Um, we see this in, in ritual ceremony with uh, certain traditions. Um, you know, they'll have like a central pole in order to call down the divine beings into the temple or the, yeah. the sacred space. Um, I know in uh, Perry style and voodoo, they have that, um, although I won't pretend to know much about that. But it, it, interestingly, what I'm trying to get at is simply is that this idea that the world tree is kind of this um, super highway, right, for, you know, witches seeking to travel the realms or, you know, through through uh, spirit flight or astral projection, what have you, um, you know, kind of also uh, a roadmap uh, you know, the upper world, the middle world, the lower world, kind of on the, the branches or the, you know, the uh, the shaft of the tree, whatever, the yeah, trunk, whatever of the tree, excuse me. Um, and, you know, we still see this, you know, we still see this kind of, uh, once again, the spiritual superhighway slash map. We see this with, uh, I always pronounce this badly. Uh, uh, how do you say the Nordic tree of life? Who knows how to say this? <laughs> Thank you. I say it horribly. I apologize. Um, we see this with just the tree of life, uh, symbology, which we've seen throughout, uh, Europe for a long time. Uh, oh, excuse me. We see this even in, uh, Jewish mythology with the, um, with the Kabbalah. Now the Kabbalah of course is distinct, right? The Kabbalah is an internal sort of, uh, an internal alchemy, if you will, right? However, um, uh, once again, I mean, obviously that that is at, at the at the very heart of the idea of the the world tree is a uh, an internal alchemy. It's it's an internal process. It's some it's a place maybe that you can visit. It's a realm. It's an idea. It's it's a map to uh, wisdom and knowledge that maybe our ancestors once carried or particular spirits that uh you know govern spheres um in in as far as the kabbalah is concerned um and although there are distinct traditions outside of each other with you know distinct cultural nuances uh 
it is an interesting uh, cultural. I, I love looking at cultural phenomena that seems to span uh, cross culturally, um, where we can find similarities, and I always find that really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. But once again, of course, too is uh, I, I suppose I guess that the only real connection to I guess the physical realm that we can kind of make of. Because that's obviously what the topic is today, but I suppose we're discussing also the spiritual uh, side of things, regardless. But it's all connected, um, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Is the uh, you know, as above, so below; as within, so without; as the body, so the soul. So when you were discussing um, uh, this kind of uh, sickness of the world tree, this kind of damage, as you say it, it was it was interesting because not that long ago. Uh, I know that both of you have uh, have some level of anxiety. Um, so you no. know how like anxious people we like to have uh, we like to have like debates and conversations and arguments and like we just like we have like whole conversations about things that we haven't had yet or you know what I mean. Um, I ourselves. I'd say you prepare. Haven't happened. <laughs> I well, I mean, sometimes it's not always necessarily an argument for me. Sometimes it's just like a conversation that hasn't happened, but. I was having this this whole dialogue about um uh oh I was discussing uh how the soul can get sick and how I've and and I was oh that's right it started by talking to my mom that's right and then I was just kind of started a dialogue in my own head but um I was talking to my mom about how um when people pass on and sometimes something happens to the spirit that they become sick you know, and she was very, like, she was, she had a really hard time with that concept. And I was like, well, I was like, the body can get sick, so therefore so can the soul, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or the spirit, what have you. And uh, once again, it kind of, what I'm trying to draw the connection to is, is that it's interesting because, you know, the world tree is, you know, once again, it's both something that we can kind of, in an archetypal kind of symbolic way interact within our physical life, but also internal life. You know what I mean? So why not? You know, the world tree connects to systems like uh, in, in um, a bard, I believe in the 1700s, maybe, or farther back. No, I'm trying to remember the exact date. Unfortunately, I don't know if it had it, but there was a bard um, in Europe. Uh, it was later on in like medieval Europe. So it wasn't that far back, but um he came up, and I believe I've talked about this before, but the three cauldrons, the cauldron of wisdom in the head, the cauldron of... Sounds familiar. Hold on one second. The cauldron of motion and the cauldron of warming. Uh, each one, so the cauldron of wisdom is at the top of the head. The uh, the cauldron um, of motion is in the chest, and the cauldron of warming is in the pelvic region. Um, a lot, and now, if you can, I'm sure you can imagine the uh striking similarities although not the same thing as like you know the uh the uh, vedic um chakra system and the uh chinese um uh energy centers at the at the bending points of the body um a lot of the time these kind of the system it, it's interesting to see how much of relation to the world tree and the energetic systems of the spirit body also relate and therefore also relating back to our physical presence in the world that we interact with around us, right? So, um, I apologize. I'm trying to remember where I was getting at. 
You were kind of talking about, uh, it's kind of like the, the overlap of the different thought. Oh, right. And I was, oh, that's what I was talking about. I was talking, uh, I was relating to what Sophia was talking about, about, uh, you know, with her perceptions of um, the world tree being sickly in some way and affected, but it makes sense. That's what I was trying to say. And how that relates back to the human condition right now. Um, the, you know, the heightened levels of anxiety and, you know, mental illness, the, um, the, the amounts of, you know, needless death that has occurred due to our inability to um, correctly handle a pandemic. Uh, you know, the, 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 the tensions created by, you know, um, environmental uh, disparities, you know, that are created through, you know, institutionalized uh, <laughs> issues. Um, yeah, right. it makes sense that uh, what, what, you know, Sophia's sense of things. So I was trying to get at. So actually where I drew a little bit of information from that um, I wanted to give context for, um, I've been reading a lot of Indigenous knowledge books lately just to learn as much as I can about like my family and my extended relatives because like where my family comes from essentially is the Plains, right? And I've been reading some stuff from uh, Russell Means. If you know about him, he was one of the uh, leaders of the American Indian movement, uh, AIM, as you've heard about it before. They like okay. went and took over Wounded Knee in 1973 to get the United States government to live up to its treaty obligations. And there was like huge conflicts going down. But throughout the books that I've read, that the universe just keeps kind of sliding my way. Because like the first one I just found in a used bookstore, it was Black Elk Speaks, which was... um from the same group, the Oglala uh, Lakota, commonly called Sioux, but incorrectly called Sioux. Right. Um, and th they talked a lot about, in both of these books, um, this sacred tree and how it was withering and dying. Um, but in one of his visions, he said that the root of it still lived. And that was something that really really stuck with me you know and like looking at all the other stuff it really kind of made sense it it really feels like you know that whole principle of as above so below if humanity's spirit is sick and the the world is showing signs of being sick then our our spirit and everything else is going to be sick as well right because all the parts of the whole web push on each other you know and and something that's that's making an impact on one side is going to be felt on the other because it's all connected you know we're all related and we're all from the same earth mother we don't we're not immune to anything happening on it right so it all just kind of really made sense um, to bring it up um, as like a project that I wanted to work on with my friends. Um, and also as something that we could just like talk about and have um, some serious discussion on like what we can do to actually like really start as, as magic practitioners using our craft and our energy to try and bring people back to that connection with nature because i feel like a lot of what goes on with society and um 
the sickness in the world really correlates to the the illusion of separation, right? This idea that things are individually packaged from each other. I've mentioned this in in former episodes, but I'm going to double back to it, you know, and like, if you understand that absolutely everything is interconnected, you can't poison the waters because you're poisoning yourself. You're poisoning your kids. You're poisoning the future generations. You know, right. that's a part of you. you. You can't do that in no more than you can take a knife to your hand and just start cutting off fingers if you really understand it like that, right? But that disconnect and that sickness is like a, a kind of like almost spiritual parasite that's been feeding on us, you know? It's like this constant emptiness where we don't have it's almost like in western world we don't feel centered in our bodies or centered in a collective where we have this hollow within ourselves a lot of the time that just keeps wanting to be filled because there's something fundamentally missing in our way of life and until that gets filled we're constantly going to be just reaching out monkey paw style trying to grab every fucking thing we can to fill that void and it's going to just keep making the rest of the world sick until there's nothing left and that's why we have like oil corporations who value money that isn't even a real object over the future existence of the fucking planet like it, it is it is a sickness in the heart in the mind in the body and the spirit at this point you know and we really have to start addressing it and i think the only real way to do that is to start with the planet first and looking what we're doing with it because it's a mirror for what we're doing to ourselves you know yeah. it's it's no it's no accident that we're like two-thirds uh water or whatever it is the, the exact same ratio of land to water that the planet is you know like mm. we're we're representations of the world that we grew out of we're her children we're like the earth and we know it's a living being too you know we know she's right, a living yeah. being uh we're her children and we're supposed to be here to take care of her and do the things that she can't do i went camp for uh my birthday and i mean let's be, it was more like glamping uh at a very nice cabin in a state park it, it, it was so funny the the, the joke uh, kind of like the running joke of the trip is I'd like look at a tree maybe like nature and then, like, <laughs> we look at a rock and we'd be like, nature. Like, <laughs> we would just go around and, like, point at things and be like, nature. <laughs> it's good oh. for you. What am nature. I one of my favorite fucking things to do when i'm in nature is to go around and talk with the plants and show people stuff like um i have knowledge of certain plants and what you can do with them like you can you mm -hmm. can use dandelions for making wine or you can use their root which is extremely bitter but it's also actually quite healthy for you um there's like you can find mint and berries and like yarrow and queen anne's lace mm -hmm. and like Every single thing, pretty much, that a lot of people think of as weeds can actually be used as a medicinal and medicinal plant. For example, thistles. Pain in the ass. They will stab your thumb. They they are unpleasant. You can use them as medicine. Nettles. Stinging nettle. nettles. Yep. Horrible to grab. Great medicine. So I actually have a massive yellow dock. I know the root is very useful. I know you can from the root. Um, but I don't know if I should, like, I don't know, like, because if I know if I rip out the root, maybe I'll wait till the seed come back. What you can do 
um, if you don't want to have them in that spot and he's getting up your ass about it, is uh, take them out and put them in pots. Like a lot of plants are actually really good at being able to be transplanted, especially things of what we would think of as weeds, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're they're, they're resistant yeah. and hardy. Yeah. So you can actually like as long as you don't damage the root system too much and then you give something to replace it in the lawn it's really easy to just take a medicinal plant out of the out of the lawn and then have it in a pot you know that's really yeah that's actually a good idea um the dock though the yellow dock it's very uh the root as i understand it is very long so i don't know maybe i need Do a bucket roots? is that why Huh? Do they have tap roots? I don't know what a tap root is. I'm uh, so... so like tap roots <laughs> are these kind of like almost fibrous like roots, and their their job is sort of like to feel out the surroundings to see where it can go. Um, but they're 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 super uh, important to the plant's growth. That like uh, uh a lot of um tubers and like really uh tough root like you know those tough roots like uh galangle mandrake. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. Which also don't um, fuck around with mandrake if you aren't very careful with what you're doing, because that is a very potent root. Just saying. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we could do a whole episode on mandrake root one day. Uh, but yeah, the tap roots uh, when the tap roots fall off for whatever reason, uh, the plant just doesn't seem to survive. You have to like that's one of the reasons kind of why. Like it's almost like the nerve center of the plant. Like, I don't want to, like, translate it over to animal biology, but it's like the, um, for example, with mushrooms, the mycelium network underneath is actually what the mushroom is, and what you see coming out of the soil is its reproductive organ. Hmm. I, so think, I think it's kind of similar with, with uh, uh, tap roots, but don't quote me on that. With yellow dock, basically it was um, one of my, uh, like, local uh pagan facebook kind of friends um was actually joked and said hey if, if you if you want to get rid of the dock um you'll basically have to burn it to the ground because like if you pull on the root you, you cannot pull that shit out by hand so i actually have to dig down and i have to like dig mm -hmm. it out so i guess that's uh yeah that's what she was kind of talking about because i did try and, and yank on it and i was like yeah I, I could pull this you know me being in I'm like yeah i could pull this out i was like no i can't <laughs> If you have a long enough uh, knife, you can cut it in a cone, which tends to work. Mm. Um, but it, you might have to just kind of hack the the centerpiece of the root at some point. But if it's a really fibrous and tough one, as long as you get like a significant chunk of the root network, it should su survive transplanting. Mm -hmm. Some plants you can transplant just by cutting the fucking stem and using like growth hormone on it and sticking it in dirt and then it reroots. It's wild. Wow. Um, that's actually the basis between behind doing cuttings because I used to work in a nursery when I was back in my hometown and what they would do is they would take plants that got to mature age um, they'd cut certain sections off of them when they were trimming them to like shape them how they wanted and then they'd send those to the cutting room shed and people who had faster dexterity or who they thought couldn't lift as much uh, mm. were in the cutting room and I got put in the cutting room, but I could also outpace pretty much everybody at the table aside from the most senior cutting ladies. And they were quite impressed at how well I was doing, but it, my hometown is a uh, semi desert, as I've mentioned before, and going in a greenhouse in a desert is a fucking nightmare. 
because it is all the humidity of uh of anything mm. you could possibly imagine it's, <laughs> it's really humid and it's like 50 fucking degrees in there i am not exaggerating like you could die in those greenhouses so you had to rotate who went in to do the plantings so you'd have like a 15 person team doing the cuttings and you'd you'd go one at a time and it would be like your turn every dozen entries like that's how much cool down time you had and then other than that the cutting shed would be like indoors in a cool spot where you weren't getting baked on by the desert heat right so um it was kind of neat and you had to be good with working a knife but you'd take a plant and you'd cut them in a specific way to ensure that like they had the right amount of nodes and then you dip them in a rooting hormone and then um you'd put them in a tray and then when they were uh when it came time you'd have to go and take that tray over to the greenhouse and there'd be like little plots and there'd be certain patterns that you had to memorize for how to plant certain plants and you'd you'd always try and get it in on like the right depths and stuff and then they'd like evaluate you because like your trays were written with your name on it so if your cuttings weren't taking because you hadn't like used the right amount they could come back and like be like ah your cuttings aren't doing very good sort of thing but yeah it it was interesting like that's that's way that a lot of nurseries get a lot of their plants to grow is they just cut them and rooting hormone them and then it takes and then it has a whole new plant grow out of it you know that's so wild to me mm-hmm. like like gardening and plants and everything like that was always such a um like that knowledge was just not i didn't grow up with it right i didn't grow up around it so like my mom had a couple house plants mm-hmm. i couldn't even tell you what they were um i don't even think she did <laughs> one was like an ivy looking thing one was like this uh-huh. tree looking one's thing probably a fern ferns yeah. are very common house plants yeah and you know and she had this a couple plants that you know she took care of them she loved her plants she had no clue what they were but she loved her her house plants <laughs> um and my my grandpa my my grandfather he was actually re- he was actually really into gardening so he would grow like tomatoes and like kind of like your typical standard like you know garden vegetables um and when i when i did the garden last season here because he owns this house um he got like really excited and he brought me tomato cages over he's like i I don't garden anymore but you know this is cool that you're doing it um but i just never really grew up with that knowledge and so now especially because um uh, my friend Rob, who, um, you know, used to, he was the former Pagan Pride president, and he's also, um, very prominent in the, uh, like, the heathen community, um, he, uh, he makes this post every year about, um, local things that people think are weeds, and mm. he talks about them, Ooh. and he's like, this is not a fucking weed. This is mm. also not a weed. This is this. And, um, and you know, he encourages other people to post their pictures. And when he made his annual post this year, it really got me, um, it got me started on looking. And I was like, wow, let me go look at my front lawn. I was like, well, this is, this is a thing. Like, all these um, plants, I was like, these are all separate plants, you know. Before, I would just look at it as, oh, my God, the lawn you know like just cut the lawn get rid of the weeds whatever move on um and then i really started to look into these these um different plants and so now i noticed as like i walk around the neighborhood i see like you know 
all these giant, tall, quote unquote, weeds growing everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I recognize what that is. And that's useful. Yeah. And especially if I'm walking by like, like I know a school is not, you know, public property, but I'm like, well, I know there's a lot of broadleaf plantain <laughs> in front of this school. And I don't think anyone would care <laughs> if I took some because they just cut it anyway. So, you know, I'm kind of like, um, I make mental uh, notes now just in my immediate area of like where I can find these different, you know, plants that I may, that I may want. <laughs> God, this is going to be a shameful confession, but I named my Instagram handle the Lavender Bandit. I don't care. You can follow, try and follow <laughs> me if you want. It doesn't matter. But it was because I would like see lavender either like if somebody would like had it like up on their porch. I'm not going to walk up on their property. No, I will never, right? ever, ever take from someone's like obvious house or like you know what i mean like I no have, i would though, never do that because like there's there's okay so there's tons of people who don't properly care for their lavender bushes and they don't pick any of it because you it, when you pick it, it encourages the plant to keep growing it and mm -hmm. like well, if it's like spilling can, onto you the can sidewalk have it. yeah and like here's the thing i can always tell a lavender bush that the owner has worked with because they keep picking it and it keeps blooming beautifully late in the season like you'll see people who have their lavender bushes still blooming sometimes in september and then you'll see somebody who's gone to grass seed in like august and you're like man your plant like wanted you to pick that stuff like like it, it didn't it didn't get the chance to actually share it with you like um La certain plants actually when you pick um like say strawberries off of a strawberry plant it stimulates the plant to continue producing and growing so same for green um, beans yeah so you actually want to in certain circumstances absolutely be taking small amounts from them at a time so if you were to like go up to a lavender plant and cut seven of them at it, or not even cut because you can pick really easy from lavender without stressing the plant out. Right. Um, you always have to kind of like uh, develop that relationship with certain plants. Like when I'm um, picking cedar, for example, I can do it with just with the tree without needing to bring like clippers. Cause if the plant really wants to hold on to the cedar, it's going to be really strong and supple. And if I'm trying to yard on something that's really strong, the tree has a lot of energy put into keeping that branch there because it's drawing a lot of nutrients from the sun there. You don't want to go for that one. The mm -hmm. ones that that are drawing in less nutrients are going to be drier and snap incredibly easy by comparison. So when you're doing it this way, as opposed to using cutters, you're not taking the stuff that the tree is actively getting energy out of. You're taking stuff that the tree is naturally going to start shedding anyways before it has to, and then you can utilize it as a medicine. And so when you like learn to start doing stuff like that, like sometimes people use plants that um, have their herbs dried and burnt for whatever purpose that it might be for their individual practice. If you need leaves from that plant immediately, not everybody realizes that most plants naturally do have this process where they're shedding leaves that are no longer super useful to them so that they can keep growing. It's just like a, shape, a, a snake, snake shedding their skin. Um, so you can go and pick those leaves that are already dried and use that for your practice pretty much on the spot. If you know how to observe the plant and not try and assert your will over top of it as though it didn't have its own needs, wants, and desires too. 
you know, mm-hmm. like when you respect it as an individual being that has its own sovereignty that is like related to you and in the environment, and you can start working with it in a better way, you start developing those relationships and the plants like naturally will teach you that way. If you just observe how they work with you when you're working with them, you know, like they mm-hmm. want to teach you how to do that stuff. And it's pretty neat, you know. I'm definitely getting that Absolutely. feeling, especially like with these, because my, my, my grandfather actually like, so I, I pulled the weeds out of like the lawn area. I, you know, I, I harvested basically what I wanted and, you know, and organized it and all. Um, and then, you know, I cut the rest. Um, but now it's growing out of control all over again. Cause we've gotten so much rain. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I've I've been watching, especially like the the wood sorrel, which I always thought was clover, because it looks like clover, and so I just was like, oh, they're three leaf clovers, right? But it's not. It's um, it's called wood sorrel, and it actually the I I keep letting it grow up in the um, I guess the flower bed area that I have. So I keep the lawn semi under control, but the flower bed area, I just let whatever was growing in there keep growing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course he, he, you know, my grandfather was like, what the hell? And I was like, I, I was like, they're actually useful stuff. He's like, they're weeds, but you know, he's can't, can't talk him out of that. Um, but I, I, ha- I have him keep growing in the wood sorrel. Actually, these, these really pretty little yellow flowers bloom in it. Um, which I was like, oh, wow. Like if you really let these things keep going, they're actually, um, pretty like not like they're just like very like they're visually pleasing (laughs) to look at you know they're not just these uh massive eyesores right that that people think they are um but Mm -hmm. uh but i've been watching you know these plants grow and i I, i've been feeling a connection with them and yeah you know like some people are like oh they're just weeds but to me i don't know they're they're growing in my in my area yeah Mm -hmm. and um you know, and I feel, uh, I definitely feel a certain connection with them. And I've been thinking about, um, kind of like, we, we always, we, we, we have patterns, right? When, especially lately, you know, with like the fall of society and late stage capitalism and all that, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we always talk about, you know, like how we need to get back to nature or live with nature, incorporate, you know, we always, we talk about that so much and sometimes, and you know, we just do this as humans and as people, you know, sometimes we we talk a big game, but what do we actually do to try and Mm -hmm. implement, you know, what, what we say? And I can honestly say that that is the one thing that I am implementing is I am making it a point to know and identify in my immediate surroundings where I live. And and when I move, it'll be the same rule that I want to know what all of these plants are. I need mm-hmm. to know why, why, why wouldn't I know that? You know, it makes no mm-hmm. sense. Like I need, why wouldn't you want to know what's around you? And I think it's because we've always just viewed, we've, I don't know, especially growing up in, in the city, it's nature is just property. It's something you own. It's your little piece of land, you know? And I'll it's... say this. With Western attitudes, 
and how we walk across the earth as though when we when we do so we're on top of it it's under our foot we are the ones who on, walk the surface exactly yeah yeah it's it's this attitude like we own it you know and we we don't at all for a second we we take care of it and we come from it and and we have to live in harmony with it. There's there's just no other way, you know? Like, do you know how hard it is, actually, to get off planet? Do you know how fucking ridiculous it is to get to the nearest star system that could mm -hmm. potentially actually ha have life? How many hundreds of years of space travel, even with really high-grade technology, that would probably still make us take? Like... Like, I know yeah. we talk a lot, uh, a big game about, like, space and, and all these cool future technologies, because we dream of the stars a lot, but, like, for all intents and purposes, we come from the Earth, and, and we live at the Earth, and, and, like, if the Earth dies, then in a way, we die, too, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's our, it's our, our parent, and unless Not we become, like, some big space age colonization, ugh. I don't want to think about the implications of that. <laughs> uh, species, you know, it's going to be a, a fucking nightmare. And and I want to hear what you have to say, Scott, but I just got to say one more mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, this is something that's always been on my mind, is that, like, do we even have the right to do that, you know? Like... Of course, Western society isn't going to question colonization and they're naturally going to be like, of course, we have the right to colonize space. Why wouldn't we? You know, there's right. nobody even there. But like, think about it this way. Say we do find a planet that can harbor us and let us actually live there. Mm -hmm. By us going and putting ourselves on that planet, we have eliminated what other species would have been able to rise and actually have that be their home. Some other intelligence would have developed out of that planet almost assuredly, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like for life to come about, all you need is the 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 building blocks in the right settings, and it it just happens, you know. So if we do that, we're basically saying these other cradles of life Don't that matter. could spawn something unique and completely individual unto itself should only really exist for our personal benefit and that's some really fucked up shit it's mm -hmm. different if we like take say mars a planet that at this point doesn't have a like a, a hospitable atmosphere and say we um we cultivate terraform it, make it. it yeah that's entirely different we're not fucking stealing something away from other people or having a moon base we have every right to have a fucking moon base if if we want to you know, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't. It's our own planet. There's nothing that's going to live on there. It doesn't have like a tenable apps, like a workable atmosphere. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. But the moment we start trying to take other planets for ourselves, what we're essentially doing is replacing life that could exist and grow uniquely and share the cosmos with us. And supplanting it with ourselves the exact same way that happened here and all over the world. Because colonization is a sickness that wants to fucking go until there is nothing left but it. And it knows not but to consume. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what were you going to say, Scott? 
No, just that um, it's a shame that, you know, uh, when you were talking about how we're, um, in Western society we see ourselves, you know, we see nature as underfoot, right? Um, instead of the idea of nature being the thing that's holding us up, right? Uh, mm. Instead of kind of understanding, you know, really, it's funny for us, they seem simple, right? Like the idea that, you know, we walk on, you know, the shoulders of our ancestors, you know, and, and the earth itself, you know, nature and, and the dirt and the soil and, and the roots and the trees and everything else. But yet, you know, no, it's just, it's just you know, it's a shame. That's all. Because, I, you know, I have these conversations with uh, Christian, not necessarily about spiritual things, but uh, Christian uh, is um, a friend, a really longtime friend of mine who lives with uh, me, if you don't know that, listeners. But um, me and him have, like, political conversations and, like, socio-political conversations. And, and it's just it's just a shame. You know what I mean? You kind of get, like, I don't know, feel a little defeated, you know, when you think about um, the Western idea of, of life. Um, yes. And how it just it, it it for us especially you know like for him for instance well I don't want to give his story so I'll say mine um how you know when you, especially when you're different right when you're born different in Western society you're not you know you're not fitting in you know what I mean and then you have all these ideas you know you're not supposed to have ideas you know you're like the Western society is supposed to teach you uh what to think instead you know instead of doing what they should do and teaching you how to think mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and when you start falling outside of this this uh you know the norm the norm and all of a sudden you know it makes your life a hundred times harder you know it's just i don't know i'm sorry it just makes me annoyed <laughs> there's just so much going on and like this you know this this topic of of nature and how it relates to marginalized groups of people and how it relates to just human life in general you know like just the fact that like i was thinking the other day about how i remember when i was getting my gallbladder removed for instance to go back to talking about like folk medicine and mm -hmm. ancestral medicine um the doctor well one of the doctors was making fun of me because i was saying how i used uh flaxseed uh tea um and i apple cider vinegar to uh help when i had a, an attack before i got it removed and the one doctor and thought did it, was it help ridiculous. oh it absolutely helped 100 percent right. helped you know but um and then this older more mature doctor came in and, and was curious about these home remedies and even he was kind of like he was more polite but even he thought it was like you know because he was like then I'll, maybe I'll suggest it to my patients right mm-hmm um, and of course, you know, they, they, they kind of, they, they kind of, uh, take the position of, oh, it was purely, you know, placebo, right? Placebo mm -hmm. effect, um, which of course is ridiculous, right? Um, it's instead like of understanding all medicine that, like, comes from herbalism, all of it. it I mean, it has yeah. to, right. It comes from, or, right. I mean, like the, the things that are in our medicine are, are, are nine times out of 10 organic material they're compounds and alkaloids that we can isolate and you know oftentimes they're found in once again minerals they're found in plants and trees they're mm -hmm. found in bugs and other animals nature um, right particular <laughs> 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 bacterium like you know like it's funny how you know they're, they're, they're they have this i don't know what it is i don't know if it's a superiority complex but it's this weird disconnect and i'm just like like because in my mind i remember thinking to myself back then i was like why can't you just accept 
that you know these tonics you know like like appalachians have been using things like apple cider vinegar they've been using um what is it called uh fire cider mm-hmm. yeah. and uh and eld and what is it um elderberry syrup elderberry uh, syrup yeah yeah they've been using that forever like you know like there's there's something to this stuff you know what i mean and they don't they refuse to accept the, the, the these you know the old medicine i'm not saying that we need to get like i'm not one of those crazy people who's like modern medicine is just a way to enslave you microchips and whatever I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm just saying that, like, I think it's totally acceptable if you make, you know, like, like with your broadleaf plantain, right. making a stab for like cuts, paper cuts, um, you know, like wounds, you know what I mean? Like uh, spice this... and stuff like that. Like, that's perfectly fine. You know, even to be honest with you, there are a lot of people who go see uh, professional herbalists, you know, and they give them, uh, you know, anti antiviral herbs, they give them uh, antibacterial herbs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and they have a lot of success. You know, I think it's I think it's a lot more than just you know placebo effect. You know what I mean? It's it's you know the organic material. And granted, of course, uh, you know you have to be careful. That's another thing. People they often think that herb. Well, it's just herbs. You know, <laughs> but just, as, I'm as, gonna fucking give a take on that after. <laughs> you know, but the problem is, is like you know I you know I kind of want to tell people you know. In a couple, in, in about a year, uh, I want you to go into my garden. I'm going to point them to my belladonna plant and say, "Eat two of those berries and tell me if it's just <laughs> herbs." You know, um, exactly. Like, no, it's like the same way with the mandrake root. When Sophia was like, "Be careful," I mean, there's, <laughs> there's not there is not a culture that has had access to that root that has not acknowledged its benefits in both medicine and sorcery. There, there is, it, it's, it's, it's just, it radiates. It, like its spirit is just really loud. It's the same thing with um, the belladonna. It's the same thing. That's why the silencias are so important to a lot of medicine because the silencias, for whatever reason, that's why, for instance, in European culture, they're known as the witching herbs. Mm. Um, you know, folklore abounds with belladonna itself. You know, in fields where it's grown in the past, there was said to be a, a woman in, in a black dress is said to haunt belladonna fields. But of course, as you know, modern thinkers, as animists, we can acknowledge that holy shit, that was the spirit of the belladonna plant presenting itself in manifest form. Right. Right. Um, now, of course, I'm not asking physicians to acknowledge that. I'm just trying to make a point that. Uh, the, the the natural world and us are one thing we are natural we are we are the pro we are part of the process we are you know just as much a you know part of it as the trees and the animals that coexist alongside of us you know what i'm saying absolutely i um i can't help but um shit i lost my train of thought never mind sophia go you had something to say okay so when you said that, oh, those are just herbs, I was like, yep, here's where I was going to go with this. Do you know what's the difference between a drug and a medicine? The uh, Dose level. Oh, uh, okay. 
So, for example, um, or sorry, I meant to say a drug and a poison, uh, medicine and a poison. Uh, right. Um, okay. I, I really just want you to say it. I was like, yeah. drug and medicine. I was like, aren't they kind of the same thing? I'm going to talk about foxglove. If yes. you've seen them, mm. they're a beautiful plant. They look Word. like a helix, and each of them have these like very cute um, appendages coming off that literally look like a fox could wear them as, as gloves. That's why they're called foxglove. And they come in a multitude of colors. They're formally known as digitalis. And yep. they're used to make heart medicine. Heart medicine. Okay, mm -hmm. They save people's lives in a very low targeted amount. In a high amount, it'll kill you. It'll mm -hmm. stop your heart. Or whatever it does. Um, and for example, tobacco. Indigenous people used to use tobacco all the time in ceremonies without getting addicted to it because they weren't smoking whole fucking cigarettes. They would have a bowl, they would smoke it, and they would share it, and they would do that however often that they were required to do that by their tr their traditions, and it was different group to group. But you were not just smoking tobacco constantly throughout the day, right? And that's what would form addiction. So, like, hearing about, like, tobacco addiction prior to contact was, like, just not a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at how much tobacco is in a cigarette, that's enough to fill like three or four, uh, or two to three, or maybe even four, uh, uh, like just pipes of like weed worth. Cause like I smoke, I smoke weed out of a pipe all the time, right? And you could put tobacco in there just the same way, you know? And how you intake these substances and the amounts that you take greatly interact and differ with how you're going to have a relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And something that could just be a medicine can turn into an addictive drug. And something that could just be a medicine or a drug can turn into a lethal substance if used in higher mm -hmm. levels. And, and like, it doesn't even need to be something refined because um, like people hear about like overdoses on opiates and like cocaine and stuff like that all the time. But like you don't hear necessarily about someone dying from Lily of the Valley. Right. Because people mm -hmm. know that's a toxic substance. And same thing with um, Tonka, Ole Oleander, I was going to go with. Oh, it's, it's, it's often used just as a very pretty plant to people, but it is one of the most poisonous substances that you can fucking find. And like, Tonka too. yeah, so uh, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Right. Some things straight up can't be used as medicine and they're just like mm -hmm. harsh you know, but a lot of it can, you know, and there's, there's a reason why multinational corporations still go and bug indigenous people world around for their knowledge of plants. And then they steal that knowledge and then they charge people ass loads of money to get this medication that they claim that they've done the research and paid to make, but they're, they like steal it nine times out of 10. It's also kind of like how um, the companies that are making insulin keep rise, raising the prices of insulin to absurd levels and acting like, you know, it's for research and development, but formulaically it's almost identical to what it was uh, ages ago. And insulin was invented by the Canadian government. So they didn't even have to pay for the patent really and it was literally just like given to the world and there's mm -hmm. there's like no reason why it should be more expensive to have insulin in america than it is in canada other than corporations and their extreme greed and that's what a lot of this comes down to when you look at like distributions of medicines and 
why certain things get used the way they are. Like the tobacco industry is deliberately trying to addict you to that substance by giving it to you in an amount that will do that to you. If they sold tiny, short little cigarettes that were similar to one hitters that wouldn't get you addicted, but could give you that nice little relax, that wouldn't be good for business, you know? It's wild how much, like, you know, I'm kind of curious with this concept of addiction, and maybe this could be a whole different, you know, this could probably be a whole different episode topic, but I'm curious if addiction is less of a human issue and more of, like, a Western issue, like, that part of that Western ideology. Because I'm curious, like, like I don't know, and I don't know if we could ever have any accounts of, I guess, a, uh, I guess Native people's struggling with addiction or cultures older than whatever we have on record like i don't know if it's if we even have that knowledge we we do oh we do Mm -hmm. you have to go you do you have to go to the people individually and talk to them because a lot of that culture is passed down orally um like sometimes stuff does get written down when an individual wants to go and do that but it's not necessarily the way that things are done but there very much is that other side of history that you can get by going and talking to the people but the thing is you're probably not going to get anything out of them because like there's nothing that native people hate more than having a bunch of anthropologists and people like that coming around to to poke their noses in and learn things about the culture because historically it's just it's been like non-stop robbery you know and mm-hmm. it's just like here we yeah. go again it's summer and the anthropologists are fucking coming in to, to take our culture and to try and tell us uh things that they know about us better than we know ourselves yeah, sort to of take thing. our culture so and like, sell books about it and and also act like they know more right mm-hmm. and that's the that's why like anthropologists are actually really fucking hated in a lot of uh indigenous communities across uh turtle island like they, they just are not fucking having any of it and and honestly a lot of it's misrepresentation like i was reading in a book um that apparently the aztecs didn't practice human sacrifice they had knowledge of herbs to the point that they could slow the human heart down to the to, so that they could do surgeries and and when the spanish saw it they had no idea that you could actually be doing that level of surgery and they naturally just thought it was something ridiculous like human sacrifice sacrifice and and they burnt all the books the spanish inquisition like went out of their way to destroy every single written text and then history is written by the winners right so all they had to do is kill the people who had the knowledge and destroy all the recorded knowledge and they could say whatever they want when actually hearing it like from what i'm reading from like the other side that was like an open heart surgical practice that they were developing and like a lot and like when you look at where we the drugs that we use now that like slow hearts so that they can do open heart surgery they still steal it from indigenous people but then also gaslight them and tell them that those practices weren't actually what they were doing it's so fucking insidious right so that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people don't want to tell anybody shit because it's just like this horrible re- relationship of exploitation that's never been fair you know yeah mm-hmm. I mean, I won't lie. I would need a lot more research into that. Like I would need to see like, you know, academia yeah. on that. And but... I'm not going to like um, claim that that's objectively truthful. That's just something right. I had read in a book that was written by an indigenous person. No, right? but the fact that it could, the fact that it, the sheer fact that it could be. It's plausible. I absolutely mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. Totally and, and to plausible. me, from how much I've seen on like, 
when I actually do talk to people and read these books and see these things and get the other side of history, it's ridiculous the amount of lies and propaganda that goes on universally because that's a colonialist tactic, right? Mm -hmm. So hearing it from the other side is always really uh, eye-opening, you know? And I'm, I'm far more likely to believe it just from what I've seen evidence from how much they lie about everyone. Like, everybody got lied to about... Uh, by the colonizers like they they lied about the Irish they lied about the Vikings they lied about people in the Middle East they lied about people in Africa they lied about mm -hmm. people in Asia like they stereotype and belittle every single person and denigrate their culture mm -hmm. and society and treat them like they're backwards savages and 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 that word even is a slur to a lot of people right and and then like they they wonder why there's still this like hostility in response to that you know and and i think that like if if people were to take the time more to hear those stories and hear those perspectives from their side of history and actually really be compassionate and hear them instead of trying to talk over them then we'd probably be at a different point historically right now but people traditionally tend to be a lot more defensive over what they've learned right because i don't know i actually don't know why people are defensive but we are you know we're slow to change and that's just human nature i mm. i recently i don't want to say recent maybe a couple months ago i remember watching uh disney's pocahontas with um oh my god because i was like oh my god like like i knew what we were getting into i was like all right let's see this cultural appropriation bullshit that we were fed as children um but i was like but the music's pretty right so that's fine <laughs> so <laughs> we watched it and the music was you know disney's always got its music down let's let's uh all, i think we can all agree on that disney's got some good sh good songs mm -hmm. but one of the fucking songs though like the lyrics it's like when uh when when they're when when the guys just land i think when they're building their their little base and they you know they park their boat on the shore and they start building their little base um because they were there as a mining expedition that was the the plot of that movie um but anyway, so the song they're going savages, savages, blah blah blah, and I'm like, wait uh, a minute, hold up, <laughs> this is, <Ooh. laughs> um, and and that's what they referred to the natives in you know throughout the movie, like they called them savages, like the whole time, and um, thinking about like how I must have been what six years old, seven years old watching pocahontas and being like wow like pocahontas is cool but the rest are savages like that's just like kind of the way they 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 do that um and it's just it's so it's 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 wild to see the amount of propaganda that we are fed and mm -hmm. i that that's kind of one of the things that i'm trying to I guess make more of an effort to do because I always remember in history class they were always like the best history that you'll ever read is from a primary source identify a primary source what's a primary source well it's it's something from someone who lived in that time whether it's a letter a photograph a a, a newspaper clipping you know what I mean like it's that's a primary source so that's mm. kind of what I've been trying to do so I've I'm trying to 
I'm still working on uh, like a modern uh, polyhedral divination dice system um, that's based off of the platonic solids. And so I started looking up articles about the platonic solids and I was like, well, I don't care about your interpretation of the platonic solids and what Plato was talking about and all this kind of stuff. I was like, where in, and all these articles were saying, Oh, it's mentioned in, um, I think it's Timaeus. I think that's the name of it. I printed it out, but, um, it's mentioned in this one, you know, Plato's lectures or whatever they were called. Um, it's in this particular one. And so I went on, um, sacred texts actually, and it was there, you know, totally, you know, just available and open, you know, cause it's like all, I think that's all public knowledge mm-hmm. at this point, all the classic yep. stuff. And so I, printed it out and I'm going through it and I'm making notes and I'm going, I went right to that, that primary source. Granted it's a translation, but it's the closest I could fucking get. Um, and it's not just someone else's, you know, regurgitation of that material. Like, no, it's actually translated Plato's writings. Um, I will say this, if you want to fuck with the platonic solid system, like slide into my DMS after the show, because like I have some serious working idea with the platonic solids in uh correlation to what element they represent like for example um the tetrahedron's fire the cube is earth mm. the um uh octahedron is air the dodecahedron is spirit and the icosahedron is water yeah boy i got them memorized <laughs> that's good because i actually did not have them memorized and, and i've been reading about them um yeah. uh but yeah, I mean, that's just like one of those things, right? So this idea of going back to these primary sources and not just like reading the regurgitated bullshit that we've been fed over and over and over again, because not only one, it's boring. I don't want to hear about, you know, the same history, you know, th- there has to be a different angle to this I haven't read about before. There has to be, you know, wh- what, ha- what about the other side? What about other voices? And that's something that I'm trying to do. You know, to kind of, um, I guess, I, I guess, um, Sophia, you were kind of talking about this, like this idea of de- decolonizing oneself. Mm-hmm. And so that's, mm-hmm. I, I suppose, in a way that that's kind of one of the things that I'm doing to decolonize in, in a way and kind of get back to, I just, I just want to know the reality. I just want reality. I don't want mm-hmm. the, the fake constructed reality that um, has been fed to us for the longest time and is still continuing to be fed to us and sometimes i still slip into it and i and i fall and i go no this isn't right i need to i need to rethink what i'm doing and really the two main things are going back and you know kind of reading the other side looking at primary sources but also um getting in touch with my immediate surroundings, identifying these plants what are these animals you know is that a particular type of what like I look out my window and I'm like, oh, birds. But I'm like, but there's actually like four varieties of birds out there. Like, what kind of birds are they? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... Did you know, you know that you this... can talk with them and then like make calls back at them and they'll respond to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just kind of curious. Like, so the two things that I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to like identify and categorize, right? Like, that's that's really what I'm doing. I'm just trying to learn about the animals, plants everything around me and by also learning about them you know just from a a scientific perspective an academic perspective you know a folklore perspective 
I'm I'm taking all of those perspectives. Like I'm I'm jotting down, you know, their their textbook information, if you will, but then also searching, you know, the folklore behind them. Um I was curious if if um because like I was saying earlier, we talk big games, right? We always talk about we need to do this, we need to do that. And but those are the two things that I've kind of committed myself to is this idea of like, you know, um going back to primary sources and learning about the world around me. Mm-hmm. Um I was curious if either of you have kind of been thinking of have either like made a commitment or thinking about making a particular commitment, you know, to, to doing a particular practice to help you sort of reconnect or decolonize or however yeah. you wanna So I, I'll I'll jump off on that because I have very strong feelings on that because like when I say decolonize I'm taking lead off of like other indigenous people who I've been learning from yeah. on like a journey that I'm on but it's wildly personal and I'm not going to go into it too much on the podcast because a I would probably have to ask approval from somebody. B, I would probably have to properly represent a group, which I don't have one that claims me. And it's so complicated. So I like, I have the way that I relate to it personally. And I'm trying to learn as much as I can because I've been encouraged by other people to do so. And and that's why I'm I'm walking down that path, you know, and I actually was um, really shying away from talking about it for a long time because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to approach it. And I was actually having this thought the other night, like it would have been so much fucking easier for in my life if I had turned out to not be part Native, right? I, I, I could, it could have been so much simpler to just be like a, uh, a, a, just a person from one culture who can be like, okay even if I was just 100% white, right, then I could be like, okay, well, I can just learn and take cues from people and do my best to be humble and help people who, who are in different situations. But you know, that's not my reality. So I kind of have to get stuck in this, like, determine what my world's going to be process. And I don't like Western, like, colonized life. And that's not like the group of people who I fell in with growing up, like my friends were always all the native kids in my town, right? Like I was mm-hmm. hanging out with all of them all the time. Like every single native kid I can think of in my high school, I was friends with all of them. Right. And, right. and like, it, it's, it's, it's where I, I've always been called to. So I'm trying to walk towards those practices if I am accepted by communities that will have me. And there are people in Alberta who I've talked to who are, who were like, yeah, come visit us. And I don't know how that would go. And I'm not going to speak for them at all, but I would like to walk towards that and then learn as much as I can and see what that is. And if, if that happens, that's great. And if not, I'm still going to continue on the path that I am on right now, which is like, working with the land in a way that doesn't require me to be a part of the culture, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of damage that's been done 
that you as an individual can just start doing, right? Like, for example, when, when people go and start planting forests to counter climate change, something that people don't even realize that they're doing that's harmful is they monocrop. They'll take a single tree that yeah. gets factory farmed. They plant it all across. You get a, a forest that's not biodiverse. They essentially, like, take over everything, and it becomes really harsh. Like, if you, if you know anything mm -hmm. about the redwoods, um, like the sequoias, they're huge trees, but they're so nutrient intense that not a lot of other stuff can grow in that forest. And it tends to be rather empty, right? So there's a certain level of balance that creates a healthy ecosystem and, and like allows the, the land to be healthy for both the animals, the air, the water, and the people, right? And a lot of that has to do with like eliminating um, trash and pollution. That's probably one of the biggest things. And then introducing trees that are biodiverse and going to pull carbon dioxide out of um, the air. But what my one friend um, who's also indigenous was teaching me, and he's younger, he's like a youth. He's really good kid. He's like, um, I, I treat him like a brother because um, he's my best friend's uh, uh, brother. Mm. Um, we're all really close. Um, and he was talking about how certain trees can actually draw the water table up in an area if you plant them in certain spots, right? Huh. And, and so I'm kind of in a project with him where we're looking at how we can take trees and put them in certain areas to draw the nutrient bed up and get at some of that deeper table water and then start planting other stuff around it that not only people can eat, but other animals can eat and it can start re-nourishing the area, right? And another project I personally really wanted to get in on with him was... Um, there's like a really long trail across Canada called the Trans-Canada Trail. And it's really unsafe for a lot of people who don't have access to like buses, you know, or mm. resources to travel in between towns because sometimes hitchhiking is really risky. So like the a carpool dream... service or something. Well, I mean, the dream has been to set up... Um, like a, a path network that people could walk across the country mm. that has it that has like food plants all along it that are like relative to the regions that they grow up in so it's not like you're going to be putting saskatoon berries in british columbia right but mm -hmm. the idea is to have a path that people could travel along and actually get food from but then also spread that food out into the land around it so that it doesn't center animals on it but then it's like it's it's a really complex idea because then you'd also have to talk with the people who those lands belong to traditionally right. because i'm not going to go to the canadian colonizing government and ask them for any lick of permission for shit because they have no actual right to that land in my personal opinion and mm -hmm. i will take jail time over that if i have to but i would go to the people whose lands that is and ask them if that's an appropriate thing that we could do so there's a lot of things that i want to do as far as like um putting wild rice in areas where people don't necessarily want it to be because mm. that actually can go on to feeding like uh, indigenous populations out here because they used to eat it a lot more uh, a lot before like colonization right and it, a lot of that has to do with like how 
water sources get used for entertainment, you know, and, and rice eats up waterfront property because it kind of looks like a weed to, to people, right? So there's been like even battles over that in Canada over here with like some people getting really mad at Indigenous people, like just gathering rice on the land, you know? So I kind of want to just say fuck y'all and go plant rice everywhere now and like let people have food because there's people who are still starving, you know? I, I was kind of thinking, I was like, that's actually kind of a cool idea. Like just mm -hmm. drop like food seeds you know like just for different plants that are edible and you know like tomato mm -hmm. plants and you know just like pop a tomato plant on <laughs> in a park you know mm -hmm. like but it's got to be appropriate you know um and that's another thing i think we really need to start doing is inter like think global act local right so if you want to reduce carbon emissions plants are going to do that and you have so much green space in the city that gets wasted on producing stuff like lawns that don't necessarily take a large amount of carbon dioxide out if you even wanted to switch over to say using a moss lawn instead it would be much more nutrient rich and it would actually pull out a lot more carbon dioxide by comparison mm -hmm. like what we do for our modern lawn system is actually a detriment on the yeah. planet because yeah, like grasses don't stand up to heat that well you have to constantly be watering them it's a, it's a um it's an incredibly intense on the water table system because very often people use pesticides to keep out medicine plants that they think are weeds because what they want is a nice cultivated field for playing baseball in or some shit you know I, uh... so like when I Go finally ahead. when I finally buy a house, um, it will have a yard. That is a requirement for me. But um, mm -hmm. when I finally buy a house, I am I'm committed to um, putting in moss lawns for sure. Mm -hmm. They're rad. Moss and clover are really mm -hmm. uh, tight. Even though I don't think clover is um, natural to the region, but clover is still pretty good because animals actually eat it, and it's not like harmful from what i understand but mm -hmm. i don't want to speak for anybody on that but that's that's um what i was going to say is we could really work on converting like in city green spaces over to stuff that's like actually useful for drawing carbon out of the air as well as feeding people in a humane manner you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what were you going to say scott because i kind of just dominated there <laughs> uh oh what, in, in response to jay's question how are we like decolonizing mm -hmm. That. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. what I was just about to ask you, Scott. I was like, I was I was just curious if you've kind of made any commitments, um, and if you so, haven't, like, don't feel pressured. It was just kind of a question. No, of course not. I mean, it's funny because, like, okay, so I've talked about before how like decolonizing. I was really lucky in a lot of ways. Decolonizing started early for me because when I was going to grade school here in South Philly. I uh, went to, well, in my experience, what was uh, in my class, because I was in a le learning disabled class, right? Mm -hmm. um, as all the kids called it, LD. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the kids in my class were uh, were Black. And, you know, it took me, it. I didn't understand. I w They kind of, without ever meaning to, they kind of forced me to understand, like, the differences between, you know, like, our experiences, right? Right. But, of course, they were young, so it, of course, turned to me, it came out as bullying, and I mean, they probably, you know, we were kids, and kids don't know, you know what I mean? Right, kids just and, react. you know, they bullied me a lot for differences that I didn't understand. Right. Um, But, of course, later I grew up, and not to say that it didn't damage the shit out of me, but 
um, I later understood. And even then I started to, it helped me realize early that black people were people. So as far as like my whiteness in relation to blackness was concerned, that started my journey at like, you know, in grade school, right? Um, Without ever knowing it, right? And then it just became easier over time for me to start to absorb information. Not that like, and Jay, I'm sure that like, and Sophia, I'm sure that all three of us have experienced, you know, when you're decolonizing and you're hit with something that like wants to like, you know, your instinct is to feel attacked. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I've been having a fight with somebody on a server about that. (laughs) You have to lean into that, right? Like that's how you, that's the work, right? It's funny because um, therapy has also taught me that when when you're having like these experiences, you have to lean into them and not run away from them, which is when that's how that happens. That's how like the the uh, the the toxicity occurs because you want to run and then you run and then you lash out. But instead of doing that, you lean yep. further into it, and all of a sudden, when you lean into these experiences, suddenly you're you're breaking through them and you're listening, like active listening, and. Uh, so I guess like that part happens organically for me, but as far as like what I actively do, um, I guess in my nature, right? Like I intentionally go out and I listen to like people talk about like real history, like not the whitewash bullshit history that we have here in the States. Um, you know, like not the bullshit that we got in high school and grade school, you know, the, the, the pilgrims and the Indians were best friends, you know, that kind of bullshit. Uh... um, by the way, Native Americans, not Indians. Uh, like Unfortunately, for I just that because that's what we're taught. I that's what I was say, trying to say there. Um, I, will I actually say... can I chip in there for a short aside. Mm-hmm. Indian is actually correct in certain parts of America. Native American is used in Canada simply because those are the terms that the government used. In certain parts in America, they will just call themselves Indians a hundred percent of the time. Okay, so yeah. it's definitely one of those things that, like, you know, if I ever have the opportunity, I would ask what they would prefer to be. Um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what should I call it? So anyway, so I actively like to listen to people, like, um, in particular, like, I want to, I try to search out, like, people in who are, like, like Black people in educated spaces, like professors, psychologists, mm-hmm. um, scientists, I, and I want to listen to, like, their input just you want, because you want I an academic at, take on it but you want it to still be from because i want it because right. i know that they're not going to give me like a like they're they're going to obviously have like an understanding of you know like if if they're a black scientist right or a black ecologist they're going to understand how um you know gentrification and uh you know how like the reason like sanitation stuff like that you know or whatever you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, may not be an ecologist for that, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and it's the same thing all around. But I also like to learn about, like Sophia, I like to learn about um, the history. Like I go on, like uh, as far as like Native people are concerned, like I just read. That's what I'm trying to get at. I read sources like from from first person sources. I read academic sources and I learn and I'm open to listening. Um and also, I guess I've taken to this approach where when I'm in an experience, so both of you know, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't like, a, I don't like a fight. I'm not a fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, thanks to therapy, I've learned how to not be so afraid to stand up. So like, you know, 
I'm able to kind of be like, hey, that's that's bullshit. Why would you say something like that? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not necessarily in such an aggressive tone, because I find that you get further with uh, sugar than you do with, with sour a lot of the time, in my experience. But um, I am able to kind of raise my voice louder. And so I don't know. I guess it's all very just, I just make it a part of living my life. I don't really know if that makes sense. But as far as like, um, like, you know, as far as like nature is concerned, um, I try to one understand, like Sophia was talking about, like, uh, plants and, and natural things that, that are indigenous to the, where I am located bioregionally. Right. Um, and then I also like to learn about like my Appalachian ancestors and I like to learn about their medicine and their magic um and what that means uh and that's kind of where i like i was just reading um i just bought just bought uh there's an author his name is jake richards and he grew up in appalachia he's young he's he's my age uh, our age somewhere mm-hmm. um and he grew up in appalachia and he was talking about you know his experiences and, and folk medicine and folk magic and stuff so yeah i hope that kind of explained things you it know does. yeah yeah it does so it all it it seems like we're all kind of doing similar things. I mean, Sophia is probably on uh, a more unique sort of path, just because I mean that's that's your that's your culture, that's your blood, that's your yeah. history. And I'm I'm dropping show notes um for you, so there's going to be referenced um for people the books where I've been taking this information out of. Mm, that'll be great. Um, yeah, that way, if you're looking for sources, I'm actually providing stuff instead of just talking out my ass. <laughs> I know, because usually what will happen is, and, you know, in a couple weeks from now when I go to edit this, I'll be like, hey, Sophia, so these <laughs> four <laughs> books that you mentioned, <laughs> and then I'll be like, hey, Scott, that YouTube video you mentioned. <laughs> right. <Oops. laughs> it's all good. And I'm I'm double linking you to on um, where Honestly, you can purchase I've... these books, too. I've I've gotten to the point because I do listen to this entire episode again. I just I do the show notes when I edit because there's I'm like there's no point in paying attention right now because I'm just gonna hear it all again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there we go. Awesome. What about you, Jay? Um, d- what are you doing to actively decolonize? Well, I was kind of saying like um, basically what I've been doing is really just identify is really cataloging and identifying the the space around me is what i really been doing especially with plants and animals and just really trying to understand um the space that i occupy and also my mm-hmm. impact on it because i uh, so mm-hmm. i I'm, wor- I'm working in my back bedroom right now and um because i got this whole I- i'll just send you a picture of my setup i'm actually quite quite proud of it it's very nice um so i got yeah my little home office set up and uh there is a bird's nest in the wall of that room, <laughs> like literally in the, like you can hear them inside the wall. Um, and you can see exactly where the hole is. It's like a hole in the brick because it's an old house. This is a house that my grandmother lived in, my cousin lived in, my, you know, it's been passed down and it's, it'll be sold once uh, me and Joyce move out. Um, so... And, and and you see the birds all day, and you hear them all day. They're loud, you know. Mom's mom's out there. She's bringing back all kinds of fun stuff for the kids, um, and the kids are very loud <laughs> inside this nest. 
And it's, and it really made me think, I was like, you know, I wonder, because at one point they were just so loud and I was like, oh my God, these fucking birds. Um, and I was like, well, I wonder if I should, you know, oust them out of the nest or, you know what I mean? Like most people would do in the city if there's birds living in your wall. Um, and I kind of was like, no, that's so terrible. Why? Like they're they're not busting through the wall. There's no hole. So they're not getting into my actual house, right? They're just inside the outs- inside the wall, right? Um mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, well, they're not bothering me. I wear headphones, you know, while I'm working, so I just turn the volume up and if they're a little too chatty. And I'm like, why would I oust a a family? That's that's right. the, you're that that's a family of of living creatures, and I see that this mama bird like she is she works hard like she is constantly back and forth back and forth back and forth, and I I was like no I can't do that but I also am not telling my grandfather that there's a bird's nest in the back room wall because I know he'll be like yeah we gotta get them out of you know and I'll be like Ugh. so I I'm not even not even mentioning it to him. Um, but yeah, and yeah, because I'm like, we were we're in their space. We were here first. This house was built like there was like trees here, and those trees were knocked the fuck over and cut down, and then a brick house was built there, and all the birds that lived in those trees, those birds' ancestors, if you will, lived in those trees, and we got rid of them. And so, well, now this brick dwelling, they've found a way to adapt and live inside this brick dwelling. And who am mm-hmm. I to take that away from them? Now, if they started busting through the, like, if there was a hole into the house, and yeah, I would have to patch the hole, but I still wouldn't flush the birds out. As long as I can keep them out, as long as I can keep them out there and me in here, then I'm fine. And so that's just kind of like how I've been doing. And, you know, I've just been thinking more about where I fit into my local, I guess, circle of life kind of situation. Um, I get, I get that. And I've, and I've, and I have felt increasingly more mentally at peace. And I've also been doing this little thing too, where I've been um, focusing on one thing at a time. Um, because I think a lot of colonization, Western culture, city life, however you want to call it, um, has really forced me, I, I always want to think fast, I got to do, I got to do this, so, you know, I can't just like, um, you know, vacuum a room, I have to vacuum the house, and then, you know, oh, let's pull all the, let's, uh, let's pull all the, the rocks out of this, and then let's do this, and then let's go over here, and I'm like, well, I have like two hours before I have to go to bed, like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, and it's really been since the camping trip, because I spent that whole camping trip just I, I would literally, like, after we were out fishing or walking around or whatever, I literally took my chair, because we had a really nice view of the lake, I literally took my chair, took my boots off, propped my feet up on this little, you know, wood plank that was there, and I just smoked, and I looked out at the lake through the trees, and that was it, like, I just chilled, and I just absorbed and that's what I did. Like I was just I had my weed, I had my nature, and I was all set. And I had a comfy chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was just so it was just really it was really nice. And ever since that, I was like, well, I slowed down and guess what? The podcast didn't implode. 
the world didn't end. Everything's still fine. My bills are paid. I yeah, I should slow down in my day-to-day -day life. I should slow down. And I have been, believe it or not. Which is probably why I, I've been really quiet on our chats and stuff. Because I've been um, just kind of chilling and a little busy here and there. But but I feel like, you know, that's a good thing, right? I mean, yeah. that means you're kind of taking the advice of this. And, like At the end of the day, that's kind of what the whole point is about when people say getting back to nature, right? Like mm -hmm. falling in line with the cycles of nature. Nature doesn't move fast, you know, nature, it takes its time, but it always gets there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing that you're falling into that rhythm. Right. You know what I'm and saying? And speaking like, of falling into a rhythm, what was really, really cool and that I noticed and even Joyce noticed right away. So the the people I went camping with are my D&D group, basically. And uh, we're all nerds. A lot of some of us wake up early. Some of us, you know, we're, we're the type we, we're night owls. We stay up late, you know, wake up late, whatever. Um, we were up basically 20 minutes after sunrise every day. Mm -hmm. Like our bodies fell into that circadian rhythm mm -hmm. so easily. And all and it's not like we were waking up like groggy or, you know, like, uh, you know, we would wake up like we naturally none of us set alarms. We just all naturally woke mm -hmm. up around, you know, a little bit after sunrise. It was like six thirty, seven o'clock. Mm -hmm. You know, we all started kind of waking up and it was it was it just felt it felt right. And I was like, hmm, I should uh, try and incorporate more of this into my daily life as much as I can. Yeah, honest to God, it's a dream of mine to have property where I can live in a house that isn't necessarily um, a big square house. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm going to have one similar to this, like a cabin for the winter years, but I absolutely don't want to live in a fucking house during the summer. I would tent in a backyard and have, like, bathrooms set up nearby and be very fucking happy with that mm -hmm. and then maybe have like an indoor space like a cabin i can go in to do shit and like mm -hmm. cook and use the stove and like maybe play video games or some shit or access my computer because you don't want to like have your computers out in like the wet uh potentially wet i'm telling you sophia you, know? you remind me you're you remind me of starhawk so much because she like Hawk. when you were Starhawk, she's a really prominent, uh, like, um, Wiccan author. She was, like, I think in, like, the 70s and 80s, and she did a lot of, like, um, she was involved in so many protests and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> and she she even did jail time, you know, for, for some of, you know, some mm -hmm. of her protests. And so, like how you were saying earlier, like, I'll take jail time, you know, over whatever. <laughs> um, and, but she does, she lives in California, but she lives pretty remote out in california but she has like internet and she has like modern amenities but she still lives very mm -hmm. close to land like she's she's a really good example and kind of like what you're envisioning or she's a really good yeah. example of living a modern life with nature right like that you, you don't have to become a caveman yeah. <laughs> you don't have to Darian and i talk about that all the time about like how we want to uh, homestead mm. um you know, we still want, like, internet and stuff like that, but it's funny, because, like, me and Darren were saying we don't even really need a TV, because we don't watch TV. Everything we watch is online. Right. A TV um, is just a monitor, honestly. It's just a big monitor at this point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, we could just have computers, you know, right. and just watch what we want to watch. Or tablets. Whatever, mm -hmm. right. But we, you know, we, 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 I was like, you know, I want to grow a lot of our medicine, you know, um, I want to grow a lot of our food. 
uh, the good thing, like me and Darian, I noticed we're, we're starting to get into like eating more uh, vegetables that I didn't really like before. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love vegetables. I tend to like like green vegetables, asparagus, broccoli, mm. that kind of stuff. But I'm getting I'm like learning to like peppers and stuff mm. like that. Um, and if mushrooms are made correctly, I'm learning how to like mushrooms. Also um, depends on the mushroom, too. Yeah. But uh, the thing is, like, you know, growing our own our own food and stuff like that. Um, we're curious about uh, keeping bees mm. to help. Uh, not not many, probably, honestly, just about one, really. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, just to have our own supply of, you know, locally sourced honey, you know. And pollinators um, for your garden. Right, exactly. Yep. And also it takes care of the bees. You know what I mean? It keeps mm -hmm. them safe. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's like this this goal is to to have a nice a decent sized home, nothing crazy, and a nice amount of property that I don't have neighbors because I really don't want neighbors and <laughs> <laughs> and just live my life, you know. It's wild because um high school me wanted to live in Center City in like a really cool apartment and like live this very cool hip urban you know young person life um and as i got older and really into college and especially now especially now um yeah i'm like the complete opposite and i i just think uh i i think about that a lot because i wanted a very different life for myself in high school mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. what i want now and i'm curious and sometimes i'm like are, i guess they're both valid because i wanted them at one point genuinely i just changed also, um, one thing I want to point out while I remember it, there's a search engine that I advocate everybody switch to called Ecosia. I linked it I in show that. notes. Um, Y'all, I have to fucking go off about this. It is only powered by solar energy. They mm -hmm. generate so much electricity through solar energy. They generate twice the amount of energy they need. So they actually sell power back to the grid for um like and basically removes dirty energy from the grid and the profits from this go towards planting trees that are specifically biodiverse and not monocropped and like i was reading over their models and i'm like oh my god something like this exists and it's like it's got me so excited because it's a model of how you can use modern technology that's renewable to plant trees and each search you use from Ecosia, according to them, removes um, in the end two kilograms of carbon dioxide from the air. Uh, think about how much of an impact that would have if everybody just started switching over to this. Um, and and like sure there's ads on it but instead of it going to like a massive uh google archive where they're collecting it and info dumping or to sell and make billions of dollars it, it's going to like actually help fix the planet so like there's little things that you can start doing like that and little ways that we can start converting over and actually start generating systems that renew and are carbon negative instead of carbon neutral because it's the only way that you're actually going to start fixing stuff is if you start removing it from from the environment because like it's not just going to just magically go away like we're generating at a rate faster sorry hiccups we're generating at a rate faster right now 
than we can currently remove. And the only way to actually start fixing that is to get every company to start being carbon negative, right? So once we can have people who are like switched over to clean energy, like making sure that a certain amount of their profits have to go towards like reforestation efforts and like reseeding the land, like these are all just things that we can mandate through legislation. And, and mm -hmm. you can prove that it works in small scale through things like Ecosia. And, and I want to like encourage anybody who has like a good idea for like a green energy source or a way to like generate a small company that can start doing the stuff like this, that, that moves away. Like a huge thing is paper. The paper industry chews up a fuck ton of, of like old gross forests and, and the lumber industry too. Right. Like a lot of these, we can switch over to more sustainable methods, like rather than cutting old uh, growth forests, we can literally tree farm trees of the exact type of wood that we want and grow them for that express purpose while having them actively remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere rather than just fucking devastate the lungs of our planet. You know, mm -hmm. like there, there's so much better ways that we can be doing it. And it's just a choice that we have to actively make, you know? Mm hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're, we're coming up on just about um, two hours, a little under. Um, I figured it was going to be a longer episode when you get a bunch of, of us talking about nature. Oh, yeah. I mean, and plus we haven't recorded for a while. So, you know, we had a lot to mm -hmm. we had a lot to catch up on. Um, Definitely. It's, it's funny. It's actually really on theme. So after I'm after I'm done this recording, because I don't have to go to bed as early now because I don't have to wake up as early as I used to. Ooh. Um, so I could stay up and play video games. Um, <laughs> and I've been playing the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake because we got it for free a couple oh, months it's ago. Good. It's fucking good. It's it's real. First of all, it's just it's amazing. I've never played the original, so it's this is all new to me, mm -hmm. and I don't really know anything about the game. But the fact that the it seems that the main plot is this evil corporation is sucking all the uh, uh, like Mako. Um, so whatever the this energy source out of the planet um is uh it's, it's pretty life. yeah it's literally the planet's life force um it's uh it's pretty uh it's pretty spot on <laughs> right mm -hmm. pretty spot on and so i'm very wow. invested in the plot of this game and and it's not just about that too it's also incredibly spot on about class warfare and yes. like the divide between the poor and the rich and how they like literally dehumanize them and treat them as complete expendable and like i'm not going to spoil anything but jesus christ yeah. it is the most absolute anti-capitalist spot on final fantasy i think i have ever seen and i was like we need this yeah we i'm this i'm here game. for it i'm i'm definitely here for it um and all and i like, can say is i really barrett identify with barrett oh. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i really <laughs> identify with barrett <laughs> yeah when he's like he ain't a good man if he works for an evil corporation i'm like yeah. fuck yeah man i yeah. feel you on that <laughs> I just wish I was as buff as him. That's the only thing I'm lacking. <laughs> um, I, I also love the, like just <laughs> all the all the characters in that game. They're so well done. Like Tifa's great. Yeah, know? the the whole game is is gorgeous. I um one day I will go back and and play um the original seven to kind of compare. Um, but I I'm, I love the game. But it it's very very spot on. It's a good it's good. Good trend. Mm. Good thing for me to transition to after <laughs> recording this episode. 
Um, so any um, final concluding thoughts that anyone kind of wanted have to... I have a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so I just want everyone to remember that nothing is just a plant, that many things you don't think are medicine absolutely are, and that uh, just because it can be medicine doesn't mean it can't kill you. So respect plants and plant spirits, and that nature, if cared for, can also help bring us back together as humanity <laughs> put humanity back into mankind i like that i would say um <clears throat> be nice to insects uh talk to animals because they actually can understand you a lot more than you give them credit for um show respect and respect will be given to you um mm-hmm. and like don't hesitate to give offerings you know uh nature Mm. nature loves when you when you put the foot forward and give something that's relevant to you you know whether that be some tobacco whether that be some bread and honey you know whatever it is is, yeah whatever that is for you start developing that relationship with the land again because i'm sure she misses Mm -hmm. you and wants to hear from you you know and to to quote somebody else and i'm probably going to misquote this but i'm going to find where the quote's from um that what you don't develop a relationship with you will always treat as a stranger and destroy Mm. i love that probably get that a little wrong but yeah Mm. absolutely I love that. Also, no salt in the soil either. Do not put salt on the ground. <laughs> Don't be doing Use eggshell powder. Yes, use eggshell powder. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, with that, um, we had a really good conversation. And, um, yeah, I am looking forward to getting into us recording more regularly. I feel nice and refreshed. So, we're definitely going to keep this going. And we also have more guests planned. Um, we do have a lot of guests that we uh, want to bring onto the show, so we're going to be hearing a lot more uh, voices. Uh, but mm. for now, we are going to sign off, and I'm going to go play Final Fantasy. And Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will see you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Conservative. <laughs> Conservative man. <laughs> Emotions are gonna take back the country on December twenty-first, twenty twenty-one. No, just, just you wait. <laughs> it now it's it's twelve twenty-one twenty-one. No, all didn't I, you hear? <laughs> this is the scene that I picture. For some reason, Scott, you're like visiting him in this house, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like sitting in a rocking chair knitting. I picture you knitting for some reason. You got these little glasses down on your nose, and he's like the leftists are coming the militias and you're like that's nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like and he's like in a fucking rocking chair yeah. senile and he's like yeah. i need my plate carrier god damn it i told you i ordered 762 by 39 not 45 how am i gonna use these and i'm sitting there reminding myself knit one pearl two <laughs> yep. knit one pearl two <laughs> exactly
Welcome to your future. Oh, God forbid. God, I, I feel really bad. I mean, I, this is not going to keep going before we start the episode, but, like, I feel really bad for, like, like nursing home workers mm. for 20 years from now, maybe even 10 years from now when this starts <laughs> happening. You're going to have all of these fucking ridiculous prepper alt-right dudes getting sold they can't even fucking take care of themselves anymore and then they're gonna have to put up with all the vitriol that they could ever muster because god knows they're gonna get shittier the less able they get it's gonna Uh. be wild definitely on the bright side though if if i can get to the age of 80 i'll be 80 in the year 426 or uh yeah it'll be 2069 and then i could live through april (laughs) So if I get to April twentieth, then I can live for four twenty sixty nine. Nice. Yeah, that, that's goals. <laughs> that's goals right there. So we'll see if we make it to eighty. And if I have to self sacrifice in some like brilliant ball of fire, I'll be like, tell four twenty sixty nine. I said, ah. Oh. Reminds me of this <laughs> of this stupid form. Um, my insurance. This is, my insurance wouldn't cover gyneco- uh, my my gyno visit. So, of course, because they're like, but you're a man. And I'm like, how many times have I explained to you fucking people? Um, so anyway, so I was, we had a fight with the insurance. And usually Joyce does that for me because I hate calling them. So Joyce is like, yeah, sure, I'll call them and yell at them. So <laughs> Joyce calls the insurance and they're like, oh, you know, well, you can't speak on his behalf. And Joyce is like, he's my fucking husband. Like, we're married. Like, I don't understand. What the hell are you talking about? So apparently, I think it's because Joyce was like, oh, you know, my husband is trans, and they're probably like, whoa, red flag, hold on, stop, you, we need a form. <laughs> like, we need a form here. <laughs> so yeah. I had to fill out this form authorizing Joyce to, you know, like a HIPAA form kind of thing to, like, speak about. Oh, yeah, about. there's a whole, yeah. to allow them to speak for you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it turns out, it turns out that you do have to fill out this form, even if you are married. Um, yeah, I did learn that, but but that just means that because with all my top surgery stuff, they were breaking HIPAA anyway. <laughs> so like they've been breaking HIPAA because Joyce was the one who argued with them to cover it and shit. So even it's with just fucking parent, hilarious. Parent and child, if the child is of a certain age, you still have to sign it too. Yeah, even if they're your parent. But they had to. They were like, this form is effective for one year unless specified otherwise. So I set, I made the form valid for fifty years. <laughs> I said this form will expire in fifty years. <laughs> and Joyce is like, did you really put this for fifty years? I was like, we'll reevaluate in fifty years. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're like, look, we'll man, have a meeting. I don't make the rules. It just said set your expiry date here, and I didn't want to fuck around. So, right, so it's fifty years, and we'll have a discussion <laughs> if we're still alive. That'll be in four twenty sixty nine. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Check that out. In twenty sixty nine, yeah, it'll have been fifty years. Actually, it'll be right at uh, the year after because you did it in twenty twenty. Yeah. Didn't you? No, I did in twenty one. <laughs> 21 okay then yeah 71 oh alrighty well (coughs) how you feeling about um here's a question Mm. would you like maybe want to start recording as soon as we start hanging out with each other Uh, because like I I love our pre-episode bullshit sessions yeah and maybe having a couple of them work their way in would be fun 
Yeah, sometimes, <coughs> um, sometimes, um, if we say something funny or cool in the kind of pre-episode chatty part, um, I will put mm -hmm. it in at the end. I'll put it oh, in cool. after the outro. It's like a bonus. It's like an Easter egg kind of thing. Yeah. So I'll put it in. So it kind of like the outro <laughs> fades out, and then you hear us again. It's usually us like. I think the I put the one in there where you were like we're like the Animaniacs or remember you said Sophia you're like we're like the Animaniacs of witchcraft podcast or whatever the hell you're saying. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Was like, I dropped them in I'm, there. They're like Easter. You're eggs. Yakko. Uh, yeah. I'm Dot, and Scott's Wacko because they have no gender. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, I and I put that I put that in there. So. But yeah, I, I do. Um, like right now, I've been recording for the past much since scott got it six minutes or so <sighs> oh, oh good wow nice you know burning some nice rosemary mm. oh, i should burn some sweet grass whoever did this braid that i have right now did a fucking pro level braid like oh, they even tied the ends with the braid itself which is what you're supposed to do Hmm. Oh, I love sweet grass. <clears throat> so we're talking about nature and the green path okay. and Yggdrasil and the fucking world tree, baby. Fucking plants, bud! Speaking <laughs> of plants, I don't know what they put in the pollen this year, but I'm not happy about it. Speaking of plants... The cicadas are gonna be out in a couple of days. What? Trillions of cicadas are gonna be fucking coming on out. I thought mm -hmm. they're late summer, aren't they? No, no. Are they early summer? We'll have them. We'll have them until late summer. Oh, uh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Although okay, I've heard that like city folk won't see them as much as like you know rural and suburban folk, but we'll see. We'll hear them. It depends. Um, like, do. Toronto, there's so many screaming fucking cicadas in the summer. So, like, I would be shook if I didn't hear them. 